Despite a pretty bad weekend series in Chicago, the Twins are tied for first place in the American League Central. I've never seen a division like this, and the Twins are in striking distance. As crazy as that sounds, let's break it all down on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Sunday, September 4th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker. I've been hosting this podcast for three seasons on a daily basis, and I've been writing at Twins Daily for four seasons. The Twins had a bad, I would call it bad series in Chicago. They lost two out of three. They salvaged the finale, but even with all of that, because the Mariners swept the Guardians in Cleveland, the Twins are tied for first place in the American League Central. It, it's hard to wrap your head around this in this division. It, it doesn't feel like the Twins should be anywhere near first, and I think White Sox fans feel the same way, and they're only two games back. You know, the Sox are only two games back of, of first place. I think the Guardians have played better, but even them over the last 65-plus games are below 500. So I don't think it feels right for anybody to be this close to first place or, or in first place. Uh, it's wild. Tyler Malley left his start. Not good. Yoandron was incredible today. We'll discuss pulling Dylan Bundy after five. Why does Rocco Baldelli continue to do this? Uh, bad series for Gio Urshela, Gary Sanchez, Luis Arise didn't have a very good series. On to New York. Twins go to New York to play the Yankees for four. Carlos Correa had a big day. We'll look at the standings. So much to get to today on this episode. Let's start with Tyler Malley. Uh, that sucked. I mean, that sucked. I, I, there's definite, I think, criticism of the Twins for letting him going out, going out and making that start. He went through a bullpen. Everything seemed fine. He said he felt good, but... I do think, like, in hindsight, should he have made a rehab start? Probably, like, just to see where things were at. His velocity was there in the first inning, but he gave up a three-run homer to Jimenez and four straight batters reached, and that was that. That was came out in the second, and he was 88-89 again. And what frustrates me most, like, obviously it sucks not to have him right now. He's back on the 15-day injury list. I would be surprised if he pitched again for the Twins this year. What, what sucks about it is, yes, that, but also I'm worried about his shoulder for 2023. So much of this trade was about 2022, but a lot of it was about 2023 as well. It was about the rotation next year, bringing some stability next year, controllable starting pitching. They could have gone out and gotten Noah Syndergaard or another rental starter. They could have done that. You know, Jose Quintana, Jordan Montgomery got traded. Monty, I think, has more than one year of team control, but Quintana comes to mind uh, most prominently. But they didn't. I think they went after Malley because they liked him, but also because he's under team control for 2023. So I'm concerned about next year for him and his shoulder. I'm concerned about what the offseason looks like. I'm concerned about the long term of this. And and maybe he'll be fine in 15 days, just like he was in Cincinnati. But this feels like something that's going to loom. And that changes the entire scope of that trade. Like that sucks. And the Twins knew the risk when they were trading for him. They knew that he was on the injured list earlier this year with a shoulder strain, and they took that risk, and so far it hasn't worked out at all, and it sucks. Tyler Malley, back to the injured list. I, I've said many times, like, I don't see the Twins doing this without Tyler Malley, and I think their ceiling in the playoffs 
is very much capped without Tyler Malley. It's it's hard to envision them. It was hard before, but without Tyler Malley, it's even harder to envision that because the division is so bad because they're tied for first. I still think they can win the division without Tyler Malley, but to go and make a, that improbable playoff run, it's less likely without him for sure. Yoanderon, he would be a big reason why the Twins would make a playoff run. <laughs> that dude, he's a bad man, and he's pitching the best he's pitched all year right now. He's had an incredible season. This is the best he's. This is the most dominant he's looked, and I've you know watched all of his outings this year, and he's had so many stretches where he's been dominant. I think this stretch right now, he is so locked in, and he he's everything is working for him right now. The stuff is pristine. It's the best it's been. The the command and the pitch mix, he's figuring it out. He knows when to throw pitches in certain counts. He's figuring it out. I think some of the home run problems he had earlier in the year when he was giving up homers on the splinker was just pitch mix. Like, when do I throw this pitch? He's a starter, converted to a reliever. He's a rookie. I think now he's figuring it out, and this is what we're seeing. And he's he's one of the best relievers in baseball right now, and he's a rookie, and he has the highest win probability added in baseball entering today and I'm sure that went up <laughs> after today came into a really sticky situation I always tweet after you on has a great outing which is like every time out he is the team's fireman he's the team's multi-inning weapon he's the team's closer at times he's the team's setup guy he's the team he does everything for this team he does everything for this bullpen no words for this. Like he's just, he's amazing. And I, I always say it, but I wrote about him in, in spring training and I said, Hey, put him in the bullpen, see what he can do. Never saw this coming. Incredible. It was a tough series for Gio Rochella, for Gary Sanchez, Luis Arise, after it looked like he had pulled out of that slump in the homestand against San Francisco and Boston. I didn't think he had a very good series either. So let's look ahead to New York while also discussing those poor series for those three and why that's so important for the club as we look forward to this four-game set in New York with the Twins mind-bogglingly tied for first place in the American League Central after this word from LinkedIn Jobs. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Again, linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Bad series, Gio Rochelle. I think this, <laughs> I don't have the numbers in front of me. I know he didn't do much offensively. He hit the ball hard off Giolito today, but I think this was one of the worst series of the year for Gio Rochella. And it started in the first inning of the series. He had an opportunity to drive in another run off Joe Kelly to get the third run home in a one-out runner on third situation. And he had a, the, a horrible at-bat, a horrible at-bat. It started early for him. wasn't a good series, but the thing about Gio is he usually comes back. He's consistent. Usually comes back. I also think maybe a little bit of a chip this weekend in New York. Same thing for Gary Sanchez. Feels like there's so much reliance on Gary offensively without Ryan Jeffers, and he just hasn't come through very much this year at all. And it looked like early on he was going to drive in some runs. Like He was going to drive in runs for this team. He was going to hit some home runs. The defense had improved. 
it's disappointing. It's one, I think it's one of the biggest storylines of the season that Gary Sanchez offensively has been less than even, you know, below average. It's, it's not been a good year for Gary offensively at all. And Luis Arise, so much of this offense runs through Luis Arise. And I hesitate to ever point to him and say he's ever part of a problem because he's been so much of the solution this year for the offense. So much of the positives have been within Luis Arise and the incredible season he's had overall. When he struggles, though, it it hurts the offense even more because he's the, the you know, you could say he's the best hitter. He's the best hitter on the team. If your best hitter is struggling like Luis Arise has, that that's tough. And when the lineup is as shallow as it is without Byron Buxton, without Trevor Larnick, without Alex Kirloff, without Jorge Polanco, without Ryan Jeffers, without the list goes on and on and on, they rely even more on Luis. And if, if Luis not hitting that stings and you notice it, you notice it when the offense goes, usually it goes with Luis arise. And that was another tough series for him. So you hope he turns around in New York against a bunch of right-handed starters. Looks like it's going to be in the four game set. And, and you hope he gets on track here in September. He w- he scuffled down the stretch last year in a lost season, and we'll see. We'll see because I remember saying last year uh, an unfortunate development was that Luis Arise was quite streaky last year. He had streaks where he was great. He had streaks where he was below replacement level offensively for, for stretches at a time, and I think we perceive him as being so consistent because he is. Like The at-bats are so consistent, but he does have stretches like any other hitter where he's not as consistent, where he he goes through these ruts and it really hurts the twins. It really hurts them, but that's a lot to put on him. It's it's just the case when you're the best center on the team. That's gonna be that's gonna be the pressure that's on him. That's the pressure on him right now. Jorge Lopez struggled mightily in Friday's loss. Lopez with the twins, I agree he's been underwhelming. I think I expected more from him, but I will say the underlying numbers in Baltimore, the FIP, the expected numbers. They're about in line with where he's at with the Twins. So his sub-2 ERA in Baltimore, he's not a sub-2 ERA reliever. He's not a 190 reliever. He's more of a two, you know, mid-2s, low-3s reliever. He's still really valuable. He can still close games. The stuff's incredible. I still trust him for the most part. I think what you're seeing is regression to that mean. He's pitching basically the same he did as he did in Baltimore. There's some regression with the batting average and balls in play. That was all bound to happen. Like you're gonna, you're usually gonna get back. I think Jorge Lopez as a reliever is gonna have a lower than 300 batting average on balls in play because he gets so much sink because he gets so many ground balls. He's he's not pitched to contact, but he, he's not gonna strike. He doesn't strike everybody out like Yohan Duran. Yohan Duran is a dominant, dominant reliever. Jorge Lopez is more of an like he's a he's a hybrid between a dominant reliever and like an efficient, a really efficient sinker baller reliever who gets a ton of ground balls. He's a hybrid. So I think he's a weapon because you can use him in multiple innings. He's just has a starter's background. He's just going through it a little bit, but he's pitching the same as he did in Baltimore. And he, the numbers are the ERA is just higher because he's regressing to the mean. He's not as bad as you saw Friday night. He's not as good as he was in Baltimore. He's, he's closer to who he was in Baltimore. I think than he was on Friday night. But he's not a sub two ERA reliever. He's a, he's a, an elite reliever this year. He's been an elite reliever. I just think the numbers told you that he wasn't going to continue to be a sub two ERA reliever, and that's fine. He can still be extremely valuable, as I said, as a mid twos, low threes ERA reliever with Yohan Duran, and they they form a great duo back there of stuff too. And my buddy is a White Sox fan. This kind of tells you I love to get the perception of other of other fan bases and other people. He texted me 
and he was like, oh, Fulmer to Duran to Lopez. It's a little bit different than it looked like a couple a couple months ago, right? Like that's a little scarier than it was before the trade deadline. It's scary to look ahead as an opponent and see that you have Duran and Lopez in the eighth and ninth. As an offense, you have to you have to gear up for the sixth and seventh. You have to be ready to go. You have to because you know that you're going to see Yohan Duran and you're going to see Jorge Lopez, and they've both been incredible this year. So it's it's a lot of pressure put on an offense. It's another reason why I think this bullpen is a strength. You saw it with Duran. I think Lopez going to be fine. You're just seeing a little bit of that regression right now, and I wouldn't expect him to be this shutdown reliever, but I definitely would expect him to be better than what he's been overall for the Twins um, thus far. You know, these these blow-up outings, I don't expect that to happen. The blow-up in Anaheim, the blow-up on Friday night, I don't think those are going to continue with as much frequency as we've seen early on. New York, start spreading the news. Twins are going to New York. This is a great time to play the Yankees. They are in the pits. They've played poor baseball for a long time now. They are below 500 since July 1st, well below five. I think they're 28 and 36 since July 1st. This is a great time to go play the Yankees, usually. But if you're the Minnesota Twins, it's usually never a good time to go play the Yankees. It feels like a get-right series for them all the time. I want at some point this narrative to flip. I'm I'm 22. I know I don't know how old you know most of my my listening base is, but at some point in our lifetimes, this narrative has to flip. This can't go on for years and years and years. Why not now? Why not go into the Bronx, take three out of four? The pitching matchups are not, it's not like it was at Target Field when the Yankees were playing incredibly and they had Cole and Cortez. Nestor Cortez was insane. He's been on the injured list. I don't know if he's going to pitch Thursday, but the first three are Tyone, yes, Garrett Cole on Tuesday. You're going to see Garrett Cole. And then Domingo Armand. I, I think hittable, at least in games one and three, Tyone, since the first couple months, like a lot of Yankees, has not played as well, has not pitched as well. So I, I don't think this is like the big, big bad Yankees like it usually is, but for the Twins, it always it's always the big, big bad Yankees, always, unfortunately. But the Twins are tied for first, so this is a huge series. Uh, they need Carlos Correa, and he had a great day. Hit a home run, two-run shot off Lucas Giolito, and then had a big double, too. Then Billy Hamilton fell down rounding third, but they both ended up scoring because Jose Miranda came through. Again, Miranda mania. Carlos, need days like that. He kind of won that game offensively. I mean, they they took the lead with him. He got things going again for insurance. They won that game with him today. That's what they need without Byron Buxton and without every other guy I've mentioned, Polo and, and AK and everybody. They need Correa to have games like he does. Not every, not every day. Games like this regularly <laughs> would be would be awesome for the twins in September. It should be over, right? It should be over. It feels like with the way they've played for so long now, they just lost another series. It was a, a pretty bad series, embarrassing game on Saturday night on national television. It feels like it should be over, but it's not because of the American league central because Cleveland has come back down to earth because the white Sox have had such a disappointing, underwhelming season overall. That's why it's not over for the Twins. They're tied for first. It's, it, my mind can't wrap around it. Dylan Bundy pulled after five. Let, shout out Dylan Bundy, man. Shout out Dylan Bundy. He's been really solid for this team for a long stretch now. He's been consistently solid. We haven't seen a blow up in a while. Knock on wood. He's been consistently solid. And then he'll mix these games in where he's dominant, like five shutout innings. That's awesome. There was some finagling over Bundy being pulled after five by Baldelli and I tweeted this out and this kind of was like came to me today 
in the Baldelli era, started in 2019, of course, in the Baldelli era, that's now the fourth season, he's had one in, in all four years, in every rotation, in every pitcher we've seen, starting pitcher, he's had one true number one ace caliber pitcher, and it was Kenta Maeda in the COVID season. One frontline number one starter. I didn't see Jose Barrios as a number one starter. Like I saw him as a back end number one, high end number two. And then as you saw the inconsistencies kind of roll, he was more of that high end too. Very good. Like I love Jose. We'll always love Jose and and what he did for the twins. He was not a a surefire number one. The only season, the only pitcher Baldelli has had a a true number one was Kenta Maeda in 2020. And then you hear that Carlos Correa, great reporting. I think it was Dan Hayes went to the front office and pushed for them to get an ace and God bless Carlos. He doesn't know that this, the twins haven't had an ace since Johan. How many years are we going to go without an ace? And then people are very upset when Dylan Bundy is pulled after five. Here's my solution to that. Fill a rotation with better pitchers. Get a, a, a true number one. And maybe Kenta goes back to being that next year in a, in a smaller sample. I don't think he's going to have a full 180 inning season. Maybe he goes back to being that effectiveness on the effectiveness front. Maybe Mally takes that step if he's healthy. Maybe Sonny has a great year. And Sonny's on the border. And I'd say Mally's on the border too when he's right. I think those two are on the border of being a true number one. But the point here is that Kenta Maeda in 2020 went at least six innings in eight of his 11 regular season starts. Eight of his 11 regular season starts went at least six. In multiple, he went seven. One game, he went eight. If you pitch well and you have a track record of pitching well, you can pitch deeper in games. You can be trusted deeper in games. But here's the reality right now. The Twins' bullpen is a strength. I view it as a a strength. I think the front office views it as a strength. I think Baldelli views it as a strength. And I think they view the back end of their rotation as a weakness. Clearly, it's been a weakness all year. It's been a weakness for how many years, the rotation? It's a weakness. So if you have a weakness and you have a strength, going to Dylan Bundy in the sixth, whatever, is usually a worse call than going to the bullpen. Bundy's gotten destroyed the third time through the order this year. Now, I will say there are definitely points where I think they should they should have more slack. Like I've said that. They should give more slack, even to Dylan Bundy sometimes. Like today I even wrote, maybe Dylan Bundy should have started the sixth inning, but I'm talking more about the general conversation that these starters are pulled too early. When we need to start looking at, at who's building the rotation rather than who's pulling these starters. I don't think Rocco's anywhere near perfect. I don't think he's been perfect with his moves at all this year. I think there have been many times where I would have done something different. I still think he's never, outside of one shortened 60-game season, he's never been given a true number one in his rotation. And when he was, that number one went six or more innings in eight of 11 starts. It's a philosophy. I agree. It's an analytical philosophy to not have certain starters see the lineup a third time. But if the Twins had a rotation of, you know, if the Twins had Justin Verlander this year, I think people are legitimately convinced If the Twins had Justin Verlander, that Rocco Baldelli would pull Justin Verlander after five or six innings in every start. I don't think that's true. Like, I just don't think that's true. If he had better pitchers who had longer, Dylan Bundy had a five plus ERA last year. We've seen Dylan Bundy get destroyed at certain times this year. Again, I probably, I might've let him start the six today. And there've been times where like, maybe you let him start an inning. If the Twins have a multi-run lead, maybe let it not be so stringent on the, on the policy, but these are not, this is not Verlander. This is not Jacob DeGrom. This is not Max Scherzer. You're pulling it's Dylan Bundy 
and Chris Archer and rookie Joe Ryan, who's on an innings limit, and Sonny Gray, who's been hurt or not hurt all, like barely 100 innings this year. Tyler Malley, who's been on the injured list twice already as a twin. We're not talking about the Braves with with Glavin and Smoltz and and Maddox. Like this is the the 2022 Twins rotation that was clearly one of the worst rotations going into the season, like one of the shallowest rotations that was not a secret going into the season, certainly among teams that were expecting to compete. This was one of the worst rotations in baseball. I hoped it would be better, but I've said all year and I said all offseason, they failed to get another frontline starter. And unless and until they get a true number one, and then we see that same policy apply to pitchers who have a long track record of being healthy and successful, I'm going to believe it's the it's the personnel. It's the personnel. Yes, it's the philosophy. I think a big part of it is the personnel. Like, I think a big part of it is that it's the Bundy on the back, that it's Archer on your back. If it was Verlander on your back, no, Rocco Lodelli not going to pull Justin Verlander after five or six innings. I think people honestly believe he will. Um, but I just, I, I mean, history tells you, Maeda in 2020 tells you, if you can be trusted, you'll be trusted for the most part. But Sonny Gray, when he's been given that opportunity, has not done well this year. Other starters, when given that opportunity, have not done well this year. Dylan Bundy, Archer can barely, barely get through four, right? So it's not, it's not as much the philosophy as it is the personnel in my mind when I think many believe it's more philosophy than it is the other way and I just I don't see that I don't see that I think they lack clearly in the rotation and I think Baldelli and I think the front office too I don't think there's any division I mean I don't know but I think even the front office believes they're better off going to a reliever that third time through which is part of the philosophy but I think Rocco believes it I think the front office believes it and for the most part it's true. I see the effects of that. It, it can hurt a bullpen. When you blow up games, you get short on relievers. I understand. But here's the solution. Go out and get pitchers who can who can effectively go past five, who can effectively get through a lineup a third time. Go get a true number one. Get a true rotation for Rocco Baldelli that's not three-fifths retreads, guys who are coming back. No disrespect to Bunny and Archer. Like I think they've worked their butts off this year and tried to come back and, and pitch well. And they have at certain points. But there's still one year deal, like it's still one year deals for Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer. One year, five mil, four mil for Bundy, and one year and two for, with a bunch of incentives for Chris Archer. Sometimes you do get what you pay for. And that was my point with the bullpen earlier this year. Sometimes you get what you pay for and they can't be trusted. And that's why they're pulled. That's why they're pulled. So let me know what you think. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every single day. Now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. An eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Lockdown Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Lockdown Bets, all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Comment, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Have a great day. Go Twins.